and welcome to Autism Matters, the official podcast series for autism, the International Journal of Research and Practice. I'm your host, Laura Crane, and I'm delighted to have two guests joining me for the podcast today. First, we have Dr. Judith Gould, who is Director of the National Autistic Society's Lorna Wing Centre for Autism. And we also have Robin Stewart, who is author of the Independent Woman's Handbook to Super Safe Living on the Autistic Spectrum, an ambassador for the National Autistic Society and a woman with autism herself. Judith and Robin are here today to discuss the important and under-researched topic of women on the autism spectrum. Judith, Robin, thank you very much for joining me today. Now, to get us started, I wonder if, Judith, you could tell us whether women with autism show the same symptoms and characteristics as men with the condition, or whether there are some important differences between men and women on the spectrum. Well, yes, Laura, they, they are very different. Women and girls uh, are very good at masking their symptoms and appear more sociable than the men and boys. What they do, in fact, is they learn to act in social settings, which then they come across as being more able and social and certainly don't fit into the diagnostic criteria, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. So effectively, they are generally more social. They are more socially inclined than boys. They often want friends and they even sometimes may have one special friend, but often this is on the periphery and, and, and people aren't aware of what the intensity sometimes of their, their, their desire to have friendships. And I think the other point is that girls you know, tend to be less aggressive and they're often more shy and oversensitive. And people just say, well, these are just female traits. And often, you know, people don't, haven't had a diagnosis because they've actually said, well, this is just what women are like. And in fact, women in the spectrum, it's a very different thing. It, they really are trying very hard to learn the social skills, which of course can be very exhausting and tiring and, and often eventually may lead to mental health issues. And given these important differences between men and women on the spectrum, how easy is it for women to get a diagnosis of autism? Are clinicians generally aware of how autism presents in women and girls on the spectrum? This is, this is the major problem, is that we still have a male stereotype of what autism is. And I guess although Rain Man really did change people's attitudes and thinking about autism, and so that was very positive in some ways, but there are still clinicians and professionals who have a very narrow view of what autism is, of the Rain Man type presentation. So having that sort of idea, and then thinking, well, the girls we see don't fit into that at all. And one of the main differences in the, the presentation of the girls and the, and the men is that the boys and men often have very traditional in special interests and routines like transport cars, um, um, collect information on technical things rather than more social things. Whereas the girls, actually, their special interests and routines are around more female-oriented interests like animals, soap celebrities, fashion. And because people just assume, well, this is just a female thing, they're not recognising that the, it's the intensity and the quality of those interests that separate girls 
typically developing girls from girls in the spectrum. So at the moment, the classification systems, the, the diagnostic systems, the examples of behaviors are still very male-oriented. So an unenlightened diagnostician perceives someone who appears more able, who has reciprocal communication, who uses appropriate affect and gestures, the sorts of things that I know that Robin does, wouldn't meet the criteria. And, you know, you hear such horrendous stories of clinicians actually saying, well, this person makes eye contact and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're making approaches to me. There's no way they can have autism. And Robin, was this your experience? I wonder if you could tell us how easy you found it to get your diagnosis of autism. Well, I think the time at which I was diagnosed is, is quite significant here because I was uh, diagnosed in 97, 98. So Asperger's syndrome was a, had only been a diagnosis for three or four years by the point I was diagnosed at, and oh, at least in the DSM anyway. And so obviously people's knowledge of what it means to have Asperger's was going to be quite limited because it was still quite new because the way that Asperger's came about was the, the paper that, that contained the information was uh, written in German by Hans Asperger and it had to be translated and then obviously that information has to be disseminated. Um, so and it, it did take three years to get my diagnosis. I was referred when I was eight years old to um, CAMS and it took three years until I was 11 to get a diagnosis and I should think that being female probably had something to do with it but also that I have other co-occurring conditions uh, and that may have also affected the clinicians who were assessing me because they would have had to take into account how those co-occurring conditions affect my daily life. And I guess having autism plus having co-occurring conditions presents its own unique challenges. But I wonder if you could tell us what you think the main challenges of being a woman with autism are. Yeah, well, um, turning back to what Judy said about society's perception of what women and, and girls are like, I think that that's a really big issue for many women and girls, that you know, society kind of thinks, oh, well, that's just how this person is bound to behave because they're, they're female, you know, if they're a bit quiet or, or whatever. And obviously, I mean, everybody who is on the autistic spectrum is unique, it's a very heterogeneous uh, population. And, you know, there are people who are on the spectrum who are extroverts, but I do think that uh, society's view of women is, is quite a challenge. Also, I think that women often find it hard to um, con maybe conceptualise their gender, that... It, obviously, again, it's not something that affects everybody, but I hear a lot of women who they might say they identify more with males than they do with, with other females. I don't know if, um, Judith, if you've, you've come across that. Yes, Robin, I, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and that has a really big impact on the individual's life and the way that they interact with people and the way that they think about themselves and when you hear about self-advocates advocates talk about autism and um, I've definitely included in this one but you'll hear people say that it's like your gender or your sexuality like it's a key part of you and you need to know about it and so the way in which you conceptualize yourself as being an autistic woman or woman on the autistic spectrum I think is is quite important because that's going to uh, if you are 
self-assured and comfortable in yourself, then that's going to have an impact on your self-confidence. And we know that there are many people on the autistic spectrum who have low self-esteem, and obviously the way that you feel about yourself and how you fit into the world is going to have a big impact on that. Actually, Robin, I, I, I agree with all of that. And I think it, it's terribly important that we, make, we, we stress that if you, if you don't have a diagnosis, forgive me, you know, you're saying you were picked up at eight. Well, you know, I, I'm seeing women who are in their 30s and 40s who've never been picked up. And, and the stress of feeling different and not fitting into society and having difficulties with the peer relationships really has led to mental health issues. And then people get referred into mental health services and they go down a completely inappropriate route because nobody takes an early developmental history to see this is an ongoing problem rather than just a mental health issue. When, when we think about social interaction, it's something that comes naturally to most of us. Some of us are better at than others. I mean, that's on a spectrum as well. But if you think that the effort all the time about thinking through so all your social skills and social interaction is not surprising, and I know you've said this, Robin, it, it, it's exhausting because you're constantly thinking about what you're doing rather than it coming naturally with a social instinct. I definitely have that experience. I mean, you can develop theory of mind if you're on the spectrum, obviously, and, you know, that's a spectrum, but you might have to develop kind of more of a cognitive theory of mind. You might have some theory of mind skills that come intuitively, but then you build up other skills, but there's cognitive, so you have to think it through, and that takes a lot of time, and like you said, you know, effort, it's exhausting, but also um, other people don't appreciate that, and they expect you to come up with a, an answer or a, a response very quickly, and lots of social interactions rely on maybe being a little bit flexible with the truth in terms of, you know, things like white lies, then that can make all sorts of things a challenge. What's, what's lovely about uh, you, Robin, and people like you is that your honesty and, uh, you know, as you were talking about little white lies and the sort of things that we say that we don't really mean, but that's the nature of, of why people like you are, are just lovely to be with because you're always, your honesty is refreshing in our world today where, where people often say what they don't mean. Well, that's, that's very nice. I'm, I'm glad that it's... Uh appreciated but it does make my life very difficult being so honest Um, and uh, I mean there's all sorts of things very small interactions with people just things like with people that you don't know for example you know if a guy comes up to you and tries to chat you up on the street maybe if you you're a guy on the spectrum maybe that would be maybe guys don't in general neurotypical and autistic guys don't get chatted up by women on the street so often but as a female, regardless of being on the spectrum or not, you do once in a while get approached by guys, and um, you have to be able to white lie your way out of it sometimes, because that's all you can do. Um, that uh, simply turning the other way and ignoring the person doesn't always work. You actually have to say something to make them go away, and so those kinds of things. I mean, that that can create all kinds of safety issues for, for people on the spectrum. If you remember, one of the NS conferences, Leanne Halliday-Willey gave the example of, you know, when a guy asks you to his flat for coffee at 11 o'clock at night, has a very different meaning from the same guy asking you at three in the afternoon. 
and how she, you know, she used to get herself into all sorts of scrapes because she didn't understand the subtleties. As you said, you know, the safety aspect of women in the spectrum is crucial. It just makes you very vulnerable. What support or advice is available for women with autism who find themselves in these kind of situations? I know, Robin, you've um, recently authored a book on this topic. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there isn't a lot of resources. I mean, it, I mean, it does depend on where you are in the country, but in general, there aren't a lot of resources that are available around safety specifically for people on the spectrum. And I think that people, and this goes for guys and girls, I think that people underestimate the safety issues that people on the spectrum can encounter. Because I, I think that uh, for, for people that don't know a lot about autism, that they kind of think, well, if you can speak and you don't have a learning disability, then you you don't need support and you can just go and live your life and get on with it. And that's not the case for many people on the spectrum. Um, many people really do need a lot of support. And there's, there's things, I mean, there, there is, so for example, domestic violence. If you're a, a woman, there is, um, there's refuge and there's uh, women's aid. Um, and there's a, there's a few other charities, I think they're probably the two biggest charities in the UK. And you can call them, but they don't, their staff, to my knowledge at least, aren't trained in autism. Uh, it's the same with the Samaritans, again, to my knowledge, they, they don't have training in, in autism. And you might need different support. And as Judith said, you know, if you go down the, the mental health route, you know, if you're diagnosed with a mental health condition instead of being diagnosed as being on the spectrum um, or if you need a, a mental health con- mental health diagnosis in addition to being on the spectrum because obviously you can have a, a mental health condition or illness and be on the autistic spectrum are two separate things then you're going to need possibly a different treatment and you're definitely going to need clinicians that know about autism so for example if you have autism and depression then a typical course of CBT which is cognitive behavioural therapy um, which is a a standard treatment that's provided on the NHS may well not work for you unless it's adapted for somebody on the autistic spectrum. For interest um, to say that the the National Autistic Society do train people in Samaritans about autism. Oh I didn't know that. Yeah but you know it'd be interesting I don't know the details of whether they actually uh, have co- focused on the, on the female presentation of the condition. I, I, I don't know that, but certainly it's something we could perhaps follow up. But going back to the diagnosis, I think you know, all the things that, that Rob is saying about what can you do about it, it is important to have a diagnosis because it's the starting point for providing this appropriate support. You know, in my clinical experience, uh, I don't know what Robin feels, but people... We, I've seen are so relieved to know why their lives have been different and why they've struggled in school and beginning to understand themselves and work out their own personal strategies is really so important. But it is worrying that post-diagnostic support for women in the spectrum is very sparse and, 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 and you know, there are areas where I think there's very little support. But I think the special groups and people linking with each other, which we'll come talk a bit more about in a moment, uh, is extremely useful for recognising there are other people like yourself. Would you agree, Robin? Well, yeah, I think um, 
from meeting people on the spectrum, regardless of gender, I know that the majority of people feel really relieved, like you said, you know, to, to know why they have those difficulties. Because it, I think that even if the person's not necessarily putting it into words, a lot of people on the spectrum really feel how different they are to other people and get very frustrated, you know, for example, that they find a particular social situation harder than other people or that they find it so overwhelming, you know, for example, a party or going to the supermarket or, I mean, it could be anything because it's so dependent on the individual person, but um, that's frustrating and, and you might not voice it as, oh, well, other people find this so easy, but you might become aware that other people might be more equipped for going to parties and going to the supermarket than you are and if you have a diagnosis then you've got a frame to to look at your life if you like it's like a way of being able to stand back so you can see well okay well maybe i don't have going to parties and going to the supermarket skills but it's about knowing you know what what your skills are and, and how you can use them there's a lot of people on the autistic spectrum who are very talented in all kinds of things um who often aren't really able to get into work uh, because they don't have the kind of social know-how and um, with a bit of support they would make great employees and be very capable of earning their own money and going to work which again would alleviate some of the issues with mental health because going to work can be very good for mental health so long as it's the right job and you have the right support. Now, I think both of you have mentioned the issue of identification and support, and I just wondered what researchers were doing on this topic. And I know, Judith, you've been involved in the Autism in Pink project, and I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, now, generally, research on the topic of women in autism, there's more interest now. And certainly there, there's work being done on gender differences in the relationships with, with emotion and cognition and so on, on a more theoretical basis. And, you know, in the past, you know, Simon Baron Cohen has certainly looked at gender issues. And even further back than that, you know, Christopher Gilberg in Sweden and Svenny Karp, they've concentrated on looking at the different different manifestations of women in the spectrum. As, of course, Tony Atwood in, in Australia has given us a lot of insight. But in more research in, in the sense of looking at the differences and supporting, there hasn't been much research. But so that brings me to talk about the Autism in Pink project, which is it's an EU-funded project and involves four countries, UK, Spain, Portugal, and Lithuania. And the, the main aim was to learn more about women with autism in order that they can be better understood and supported and a better chance of fulfilling their potential. So various women were identified in each of the countries and an overall plan to look at their well-being, look at the difficulties they're experiencing in their lives, and then thinking about how we can support and help them. In addition to that, raising awareness at government level on social policy. So I think this is probably the first project where we are working across different countries and looking at women in general as to how we can support them. And when will we be able to find out more information about this research? When will you have the results? 
Yeah, well, we're nearly there. Um, and we're having a conference in May 2014 in Lisbon where all the results will be presented and the, the women who have been involved in the, in, in the project will be actually talking themselves about you know, the results and, and how it's affected them. But the, the main aim is to, is to change thinking and to have some learning packages for people, not just in this country, but across Europe. Robin, you've been involved in this project, haven't you? Perhaps yes. you to say a bit more from your perspective? Yes, well, I think um, I've got a lot out of it, and I think the other women, I think that they, definitely some of them would feel the same way, that it's been very beneficial to meet other women on the spectrum um, and to talk about uh, different areas of life. So there is, um, it's called the PWI, um, and it's a kind of quality of life there's different areas of life, like, so for example, personal safety. And we've spent uh, workshops discussing each area uh, and discussing kind of problems and solutions that we found. And I think that that's been very beneficial for everybody. I think that it's been um, useful to learn from each other. Um, but also, I think that to meet people in a people on the spectrum to meet each other in a structured environment with a um, you know an aim uh, to to achieve um, I think that that's that can be really beneficial because it takes away a lot of the um, difficulties that you would find if you just met a bunch of women um, uh, in a social occasion so I think there's a social benefit as well as there being a, a benefit obviously to people who are not people that receive the information and I think that the quality of information will also be um, very different to other um, studies not in, in terms of, in terms of that I think the information will be more in, in depth and there'll be a, a greater understanding um, because it's, def it's very clear to me that the um, researchers involved with the project are really getting um, perhaps under the skin is a good metaphor, like a, a really good understanding of how women experience it because they're seeing the same group of women over, you know, a, a year or so and so they're learning, you know, what what kinds of things in life might alter that person's experience and how they might differ from one day to another and I think that, you know, from a research perspective that I think that, that that's a very worthwhile um, and useful aspect of the project. And also, of course, more importantly, you know, we've, we've been talking about strategies and coping and so on. We, as a result of this project, there will be learning materials that will be published from the, from the research. So there will, there will be packages that, that people can use with women in the spectrum. So it, 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 it will have a, um, a more definitive outcome than, than just talking with women and getting their views and feelings. So it, it, it is a very complicated project in the, sense that, in the sense it will actually hopefully make a big difference to the lives of people, women in the spectrum. Fantastic. Judith, Robin, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you. More information about the Autism in Pink project is available on autisminpink.net.